Hi everyone, and welcome to the 182nd episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. Churro! What's up? It's almost Halloween! Woo! Oh, another year. Maybe this can be our spooktacular, even though I don't really have anything particularly set up in this episode to be our spooktacular. Churro, do you have any recent scary stories or scary dreams? No, but I have been playing Resident Evil 7 again, so oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, that's because, nice. Because, how, now, how do you like Resident Evil 7? It's It has its flaws, but I think it's a welcome back. You know, it's a good welcome back to, like, the horror side of Resident Evil. Yeah. So, um, I actually enjoyed it immensely much. As short as it was, it was still mm-hmm. pretty good. I unlocked everything you can get from the game, so... That's cool. Yeah, but I'm planning to stream it on uh, Halloween, but I'm going to do it in VR. Oh, the, oh man. Have you played it before in VR? I played a bit, but I just stopped because it was too much for me. <laughs> right. So, I like So I am just going to be like, Good okay. Good luck. Yeah, because right now I'm just playing it through to kind of like get familiar with it again because I haven't played yeah, it in a yeah. long time. So. Oh, man. Yeah, I like Resident Evil, especially the recent ones, you know, starting with seven and then, uh, you know, remake two. both of those games. I like look at them from a distance and greatly, greatly admire them. I just know I can't play those <laughs> like for I me can't, personally. I can't do it. I can't play horror games either, but for some reason, seven just really attracted me for I don't know why I I even bought I bought it on a whim when it came out. Too. Yeah, because what I because I saw the the reveal trailer at E3 of Sony's conference and like yeah they had were t- and they sh- that's when they revealed it and I was like huh this looks interesting and then they released that demo you know yeah. the beginning hour demo and I played that and I was like huh this is really good you know is the rest of the game is- like that cuz the the beginning hour demo that I remember it reminded me a lot of PT a little bit is the rest of the game like that too in the beginning part yeah but then like it goes into like they're they just put it this way there really isn't open areas that much so yeah. everything's everything everything's almost like in hallways so okay. it does give you that pt feeling for it okay so you know it's but the Which only I, difference i honestly think for a horror game it works it does that's you know like i said it's it's capcom's foray back into the horror side of it so you know, this is, you know, they haven't really done much. You know, I mean, I know they've done first person, but those are mostly on rail shooters. Yeah. So it's like, this is like, you know, first person, you know, adventure, horror, survival yeah. horror type of game. So it's like, so, you know, it, it it has its flaws, but, you know, it still gets the job done. And, and it gives an interesting spin on the current storyline of the Resident Evil series. So it's, I highly recommend it for those who haven't, you know, it's different than, you know, because the way Capcom called it, like, well, Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 is all, you know, survival horror. Then they said 4, 5, and 6 were the action horror. January mm. now 7 is back to the survival horror concept. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a really good game. I liked it. Yeah. I really want to, like, I'm thinking maybe my chance to get into this kind of stuff might be Resident Evil 2, but I don't know. I, I haven't decided yet, but like I said... Like Resident Evil, well, the more recent Resident Evils, you know, with Seven and Remake Two, both of those, like, they speak to me, and I want to like get into it, but I'm well, still remake a little two, bit too scared. Uh, remake Two, uh, Two Remake was actually pretty good. It actually has that nice balance of um, horror and and uh, survive and uh, action. So yeah, it, it's like the be- it's like taking the best of both, you know. Yeah, worlds so. and into one, and then, then don't forget you have a. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations one and two, which is kind of the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So that and now they're on, um, you know, they're on current consoles because uh, uh, Revelations was on the three DS, and then they ported it right, to right PS4 now. Yeah, I heard about that. Interesting. Well, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, Spotify, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KH Union. 
we have a three-segment show today. What? Three? It's been a while. So we have our first segment, our news segment. Our second segment, which is a discussion segment about some uh, interesting stuff. And our last segment is our question segment in the way of announcements. As always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And our Patreon executive producer for this episode is as follows. We have Nahiko Blaui, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who's at zduranto58, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Tori Patrick, Fayez Bilal, Alex Ray Snyder, who's at Alex Ray Snyder, Louis James, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yoon Ray, Muhammad Kayam. And uh, Churro, if you could take these last ones. We have Zelda Clown at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Alex and Rachel Trotman at Akira Namjian, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Espel Aya at Red Peppers, Rob Porter at Squirtyper T1, David Calro, Tobias Cappy at The Tobias Cappy, Vita Nitas, Yannick Nod at Yannick Nod. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And just talking about the YouTube real quick, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash khunionvids. We just recently launched our video, the uh, full evolution of guest characters in Kingdom Hearts. You know, me and Churro, we go throughout the whole series and talk about how guest characters have evolved over the years from their early beginnings in Kingdom Hearts 1 to where they, uh, I, I personally feel, reached their peak in Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, and then where they finally are currently in uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3 and where they might go in Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. So definitely if that interests you, go to the Kingdom Hearts uh, uh, YouTube.com slash KHUnionVids and check out that video. All right, so now for our news segment. So today in the way of news, I want to talk about something that's a little bit on the periphery of the world of Kingdom Hearts. It's a little bit out there. It's not exactly Kingdom Hearts, but it will relate to the future of Kingdom Hearts. And I want to talk about what this could mean for the future with Uchiro. And uh, basically, so yeah, first, uh, Sony just recently announced that the PlayStation 5 is going to be releasing holiday of 2020. Now, I just really want to quickly comment on this and, and talk with Uchiro. Like, this was just done in a Wired article. Like, last time we got a new console, there was this big song and dance. Uh, Sony had this whole event, I think in New York, actually. And they properly unveiled the PlayStation 4 all at once. Uh, PS3 obviously had its own unveiling at E3 way back when, back in, I think, 2005. So, like, you know, usually when a new PlayStation console gets revealed, it's usually a much bigger song and dance and a much bigger setup, and usually they make a much bigger showing of it. Now, Sony themselves admits that they'll, you know, go more in-depth next year and have a proper event where they go in-depth and talk about what's prepared for the PlayStation 5, but I'm surprised that they they went this route. Churro, how do you feel about how Sony's handling the uh, announcement of the PlayStation 5 so far? I... They're obviously they're not going to make the same mistake as Microsoft did with the new Xbox. Yeah. If you remember, I think it was last year's E3 where they had at the yeah. very end of their conference they were talking. They they just talked about Project Scarlet. You know, then they had like the 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 team continuously say you know talk about it, talk about it, but didn't show much of anything. You know, yeah, didn't they give didn't. us much to go off of. So it was like kind of like okay, so you're telling us about this, but what? you're not really getting as hype for it. So it's like, you know, there's, there's a place and a time for everything, you know, and obviously Sony saw what Microsoft did and they're like, nope, we're not going to make that same mistake. Yeah. So I guess they're, they're going to keep it kind of like uh, low key, low factor, low key you know, now until you know, they're ready to go big. 
Yeah, so you know, it, it'll. I mean, it'll, it'll happen one at a time. Guns once once they realize, you know, the information, you know, time is right to reveal this information. Yeah, daylight, you know, they have it to holiday twenty twenty. So that's still over a year away. So yeah, they're not in any. I hurt. guess. I guess if you think about it, um, not so much with the PlayStation Four, but with the PlayStation Three, they kind of had a similar thing. Uh, but back in two thousand five, at the two thousand five E three, they really didn't talk about like really that many specific games at the 2005 E3 and it was mostly a lot of tech demos, charts and graphs and they really more talked about their vision for the console than than anything else like more specific. So, I guess this kind of is serving the place of that. They're talking about specific features, but they're not necessarily talking about games exactly, not yet at least. Yeah, cuz it's um, like like well, what's what's the point of a console if you get no games to show it off, you know? It's like Exactly. You know? So, I guess they're waiting until they're ready to properly show it off. Yeah, the, I mean, all the information that you that they put out is only for those who really or for journalists who have the right about this and those who yep. really care about internal specs is like most of your of your average consumers won't care about that. They only care about how much is it going to be and what games are coming out for it. Exactly. So, uh, speaking on some of those more uh, specific hardware specs, uh, uh, one of the biggest features that they're talking about is the fact that their GPU includes hardware-based ray tracing. And for those of you that don't know, ray tracing is a technique for lighting a scene uh, using a, a more physically accurate simulation of what light does. Uh, basically, what the rays serve to simulate is they're simulating uh, individual photons bouncing around the scene and the nice thing about that is you get not only beautiful lighting but you also can get nice beautiful shadows as well from that that are realistic uh, there's different ways that you can use ray tracing it's not only for lighting and uh, actually the ea uh, chief studio officer laura miel stated that they're uh, currently experimenting for the playstation 5 uh using ray traced based ambient occlusion and shadows which me hearing that honestly i'm kind of thinking like yeah that's pretty much the easiest and lightest weight way that you can use ray tracing uh you know in a game so i would say personally right now I would say the hardware-based ray tracing thing might not be the biggest thing, but um, some possible other things that it could be used for, uh, proper reflections. Uh, a lot of uh, games that you're seeing nowadays coming out on PC, for example, they're including uh, ray trace-based uh, uh, reflections, and you'll see that, man, they are real reflections. If you ever wondered why for the past several years you know, games have avoid have having mirrors like that you can actually look into and see your character. Or if they do, they're like really low res reflections. The reason is is reflections are very expensive. So having a hardware based ray tracing solution really helps with uh, producing proper reflections that you can look straight into and see your own self reflected in. So that's another possibility. Another one, which I think is probably the hardest one, is something called global illumination. And that's going to be allowing for very beautiful lighting, uh, not just one bounce of the light, but also several bounces. And that's where you're going to get like, a lot of light blending around. And that's how you get most the most realistic lighting. Uh, the next bit of... Uh, hardware specification that they did talk about which i think is going to be more interesting with us talking about kingdom hearts specifically is the solid state drive so this is going to be the first time that a game console is going to have standard from the beginning uh, a solid state drive and what this is going to enable is really really fast load times and not just at the beginning of the game but also load times as you're playing the game uh something we noticed in kingdom hearts 3 was that we had two worlds in particular that had these really interesting settings we had both the pirates of the caribbean world and the big hero 6 world where both of those had these very open world areas the only slight unfortunate thing is it was clear to see at least with the big hero 6 world that there is kind of a hard limit to how big the this kingdom hearts team was able to make 
that big hero six area and one of the things that you need to consider with these open world areas is streaming a concept known as streaming uh basically the way open worlds work and the and the way they've been able to work you know this far all the way back since uh grand theft auto 3 on the playstation 2 is the concept of streaming basically only the 3D models that are directly around the player. Only those assets are actually the real full quality 3D models. And then off in the distance, the further you get away from the player, the lower and lower res those 3D models actually are. And the closer you walk towards those things in the distance, the game dynamically will load the higher quality assets in and then unload the things you are walking away from. Uh, the example that I give to people that uh, aren't so familiar with uh, with loading and stuff like that, uh, the example I tend to give is if you've ever seen the original like X-Men movies, there's this one scene where Magneto like breaks out of prison and use and he's like f- his little prison cell is like floating over a massive pit and he uses this metal that he's harvested from this guy, you know, the iron in his blood. It was pretty grotesque he uses this metal to create these like little platforms and as he steps his foot onto one platform and steps his foot onto the next the one behind him disappears and comes back ahead and reappears in front of him and it keeps going and going and going and really the only platforms that exist are the ones that are under his feet and as he walks new ones are generated and the old ones go away and that's basically how open world games work the old stuff is unloaded and new stuff is loaded. And that's that's basically how it works. The nice thing about a solid state drive, though, is if we have that on the PlayStation 5, this can happen so much faster. And what that'll allow us to do is to move through these worlds a lot quicker. Uh, one of the uh, technical examples Sony gave recently was with Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. They basically said that the speed that Spider-Man swings through New York at, that's based you know that's thoroughly based on the speed of the hard drive that's included on the PS4. The reason he moves that speed is that's the speed that the hard drive can load New York in. So uh, they showed uh, another example of what that scene would look like running on the new PlayStation. They didn't call it PlayStation 5 at the time, but uh, we know it now to be the PlayStation 5. And they were basically able to move not at Spider-Man speeds, but at jet fighter speeds through that New York. So... That gives you kind of an idea of the kind of experiences we could have in the future uh, when it comes to open worlds on Kingdom Heart uh, in in games on the PlayStation Five. So it kind of gives you the idea that well, maybe we might have more opportunities to have more open world based areas in Kingdom Hearts. And I think you know, based on what we saw with the secret ending for Kingdom Hearts Three. The fact that it's set in Shibuya, and obviously Shibuya is a very large city, I think that also kind of hints at the possibility that uh, they might be looking to do more worlds like that in the future. Uh, Churro, how do you feel about the possibility that Kingdom Hearts might continue to explore the open world, you know, design aesthetic, so to speak. You know, what what do you feel about open world in Kingdom Hearts? How did it feel to you in Kingdom Hearts 3? And what do you kind of expect for in the future? I think Nomara's, you know, because Nomara's always like to, you know, test the waters before he kind of like invests in it, you know. You yeah. Know, this, you know, the, the, the biggest trade-off with Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, is that we have, you know, very large worlds, you know, but like it's still linear. Yes. You know, so it's you know, then you bring in pirates, like you said, pirates and and uh, Big Hero Six. You know, now you got this big, large open world where you can go wherever you want at any given time. You exactly. Know? And now it's like you know, I think I think at some point you know the worlds are going to be to the point where you can just go wherever you want. You know, and do it and make it make it one giant seamless world like a. Like how Grand Theft Auto is, you know, you can have, yeah, you could do all these activities within the the world and still do, you know, the main missions, you know. So it'll be pretty interesting to kind of like see where what he does with the next, you know, iteration of the PlayStation consoles as well as Xbox. Yeah, it's really exciting, and 
Uh, speaking uh, on what you said about him testing the waters, like, you know, just remember back to what he wanted to do with Versus 13 back on the PlayStation 3. You know, even back in the original, uh, not well, maybe not original, but like 2011 trailer that of Versus 13, the final trailer that we saw that was on PlayStation 3, he had this one camera pan that you know, before the main part of the trailer starts that like zooms around the city completely seamlessly to sort of like show off to say, Hey, versus 13, this is going to be an open world game. Like it's very clear that even back in, you know, uh, the, the 20, the early 2010s, you know, 2011, when, when Nomura was working on versus 13 still, like he was still a big proponent of open world. And the, the reason final fantasy 15 has gone for open world is because Nomura pushed for that. And one of his concepts that he really wanted to explore in that. And we saw in the, uh, the in the 2013 final fantasy 15 trailer, he really liked the idea of being in an open world city and then qu- completely seamlessly transitioning into an indoor area and then being in that indoor area and then maybe a monster comes and rips the roof off or you jump through a window and you can keep going in the open world and it's completely seamless and that was something that he wanted to do uh that you know they they were accomplishing in final fantasy 15 but that came originally you know from tetsuya nomura so you know just because you know the world the games that Nomura has released haven't had too many open worlds in them hasn't been for lack of trying he's been trying it's just the the last very major project that he worked on was unfortunately they you know removed him from the project that was the only thing it's not for lack of interest in open worlds he definitely I mean, has I mean you can also it. you can also see it in Dream Drop Distance when they added flow motion Absolutely. being able to you know you know jump at high, extremely high levels you know, yep. at incredible speeds, you know, and it's like, you know, I think that was like their first push. And then you have, then you actually, uh, 0.2, you know, going from three different, you know, short levels of each world into one giant, you know, you know, game, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like everything just transitions from one world to another world to another world all seamlessly without really much loading times in between. Yeah, and even like if you just think about the concept of Kingdom Hearts in the beginning, uh, Tetsuya Nomura was really inspired, you know, all the way back from uh, uh, Super Mario 64 and the fact that it had, you know, this really free area where you could just walk around fully in 3D. Nomura's definitely always been a proponent of, uh, of freedom in games. So I think this definitely just goes along with that and. You know, I'm excited to see what he's able to do when the technical shackles sort of get lifted from him, you know, as we're progressing through the the console generation. So, yeah, I would say out of all these technical specifications, the solid state drive is probably going to have the biggest impact. Uh, The hardware based ray tracing. Yeah, we'll see it. I don't think it's going to be that big of a thing. Unfortunately, ray tracing still is. It's a really expensive and difficult thing to do. I, I'm glad it's there, but I I personally wouldn't expect too much from that yet. Uh, but for the solid state drive, that's going to be huge. That's actually going to make a, a big difference. Uh, another thing, just real quick, the controller is going to get some updates. Uh, apparently, it's going to have USB-C charging, which is going to be greatly uh welcome you know i'm sure a lot of you have been noticing usb-c ports and cables popping up on a lot of different devices that you own so having uh a non-proprietary uh setup is always nice and usb-c is such a great cable uh it's also got a larger battery so oh thank god i i hope cheryl my number one thing regards in regards with the battery is i hope they get rid of that stupid light on the back of the controller i hate that thing so much that's the one thing I hate about uh, the PlayStation 4 controller. Other than that, I love it. But Do you think that, that stupid light, I can see it in my TV screen. I think, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they will. <laughs> I don't think they will either, but I want them to. And if they don't this time, I'm definitely getting something to cover it up because that thing is stupid and unnecessary. So, uh, oh, and the the last thing, just a, a quick thing, is uh, haptic feedback on the controllers. Uh, it seems like, yeah, for the... Uh, for the triggers, they're able to adjust the way the triggers feel depending on what the 
uh, current gameplay is. So it can be tighter or looser depending on how the uh, developer decides it wants to be. And uh, similarly, the Xbox One uh, this generation had like vibration motors in the uh, in the triggers. So for certain like racing games, they would add like vibration when you would like accelerate or brake. And it's kind of an interesting feeling. It doesn't really affect gameplay, but I think this might affect gameplay. And I'm not sure how I feel about it just yet. But uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get a better idea of how that works soon. So, yeah, Churro, out of all of this, what do you expect most for, uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts and the next generation? Do you expect there to be a a massive jump or do you think we're going to get just, you know, kind of a a polished version of what we have now with uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 now that they moved to Unreal Engine 4? Well, the thing with Squanix and Nomura is that he always tries for the, you know, to be, he always tries, he's, he's he's besides him being a perfectionist, he always tries to elevate himself a lot higher than normal. Like, if you notice throughout the series, Nomura's always had, you know, Kingdom Hearts has been on almost every, you know, console from home console to handhelds, you know, to mobile phones, you know. And now it's like he always sees each title as like an evolution of the neck of what Kingdom Hearts was. So I think that he's going to go for broke again. Yeah, I I think so, too. And yeah, ultimately, I would say in terms of like target, I think It'll def yeah definitely like what you said. He's gonna go for broke. It's gonna be awesome. I think it actually will be another evolution of the the quality. Uh, but I, I also think in that same vein, I don't think they're gonna change engines though. I think Unreal Engine Four has been proving itself that it wants to be an engine that lasts. Unlike Un- Unreal Engine Three, Epic Games seems to be very firmly supporting Unreal Engine, and actually Unreal Engine has been getting constant updates throughout the whole time it's been released and uh actually honestly unreal engine 4 was kind of like in my opinion a little bit unsuited for the current generation it kind of always felt a little bit like a next-gen engine anyway um uh, actually even back when it was like first being concepted and shown off back in like 2012 and 2013 there was a lot of features that they actually had to cut because it was it was too much for the PlayStation 4 and the the Xbox, uh, they were actually uh, Epic Games was actually surprised how weak the PlayStation 4 and Xbox were when they first launched, and they actually ended up cutting a lot of really cool features that uh, just couldn't run on them. Uh, maybe we'll start to get those back now, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes in the future. I think Kingdom Hearts whatever the future for Kingdom Hearts is, it's going to be bright, it's going to be beautiful, and if anything, like I, I kind of think of it, you know, like back in the day, like with Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, if you remember just the gap of production value there, I kind of feel it's going to be a bit like that for Kingdom Hearts 3 and whatever the next game is, because you have to realize like with Kingdom Hearts 3, they were breaking new ground with the next game. This is just going to be polishing on what they already have. Yeah, they have to port their stuff to the next generation, but uh, you know, the differences really aren't going to be as big as you might expect. And, uh, really the, the onus is going to be more on polishing and pushing things further that you already, uh, that they already have and less, you know, reinventing the wheel. So I think this is all really exciting stuff. I'm excited for the PlayStation five and the, uh, Xbox Scarlet, whatever they decide to call that. Uh, Churro, do you, have you decided already? Do you know that you definitely want to uh, get either PS3 or PS5 or uh, whatever the next Xbox is? Have they convinced you one way or the other, or do you, or do you still I need just, more convincing? I just need more convincing. Like like you said, you know, your average consumer is going to come yeah. down to how much is it going to cost and what games are going to come out at launch for it. Yeah. I think for me personally, I'm I, I also need to see what the the future is going to hold for these consoles at the end of the day you know like you said churro we buy these things for games and so far we haven't seen anything there's obviously a lot of games that were kind of like uh i don't know kind of in purgatory so to speak like they were announced for playstation 4 but man they're still in productions and i wouldn't be surprised if they don't make it 
And like, yeah, there's definitely a lot out there that feels that way. And there's also some games where you know they're going to release on PlayStation 5. That's not a question. But yeah, it's like, but it's still going to release now. So a great example of that would be Final Fantasy VII Remake. Probably, I would say also Cyberpunk. Like I'm kind of in the in the boat of like, should I even play Cyberpunk now? Because I don't even think it's it's particularly necessary. It's definitely going to release on the future consoles, and it's obviously releasing on PC. So, like, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about some of these like late gen games because I feel like for most of them, they're all going to release on next gen. So. That those might be our some of our first like real great next gen games. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So uh, yeah, I think that pretty much covers our PlayStation Five discussion. Basically, Square Enix is hiring for a new project, and in their particular job listings, they're listing these as a uh, job offerings for a particular new game in the Kingdom Hearts series, a new HD production for the Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, these job listings include there's a UI designer job, a technical artist job, and an effect designer job. So just to go into more specifics about what these jobs particularly entail, uh, the UI designer, their role is to create the uh, basically all the uh, graphical elements that appear on the screen. Not the graphics, but the 2D graphics. So these are things like menus and buttons and you know, different layouts for things. Uh, for example, you know, Jiminy's journal. That's obviously a thing that, w- that would a UI designer would be in charge of. Uh, the UI designer would also be in charge of things like the start menu and things like that. And they actually list specifically that they're looking for people with 2D illustration skills. So I'm assuming that this is most likely going to be stuff that, uh, you know, is going to relate to the user interface because that's that's what the job is. And uh, moving on from there, technical artists. I feel like this one bears a little bit more explanation because I don't think a lot of people outside of the game industry are aware of what technical artists are. Um, it, it's kind of a newer position that has evolved over the last maybe probably since the PlayStation 3. That's when we started seeing technical artists. And basically what they're in charge of is they're more they're less on the art side of things and more on the programming side of things. And what they mostly do is enable artists to do amazing things. So they are in charge of things like creating rigs for 3D characters. They're basically they basically take 3D models that don't move and make it possible for them to move. And then animators will take that and animate them. And they're they're also in charge of things like uh, creating tools for level designers to better make their levels, you know, e- easier and qu- more quickly. Uh, these th- uh, technical artists can also be involved in, like, optimization of graphical things. And... Um, I would say a really great example that really highlights what a technical artist can do is uh, in Final Fantasy 15. Final Fantasy 15's monsters are so varied. They have so many different kinds of monsters. You have bipedal monsters. So biped means uh, walks on two legs, so like a human. Uh, but you also have quadruped monsters. So you have like the gorillas. Those are, you know, four legged creatures that walk on all four. So they're, they're able to make characters that all, you know, walk on two legs, walk on four legs. But not only that, they had the massive Midgard, uh, Zolom, the, the snake. And that's a completely other different body type. And then not only that, but they also made the the Mellowbro, which is that crazy octopus monster that has like, I don't know, like 20, 40 different legs that all kind of wiggle all around its body. And it's got that big gaping mouth and all the eyes. And there's all these little different moving and dangly bits that would be so difficult if just like the animator and the 3D modeler were on that job, that that's where a technical artist comes in. Uh, Basically, technical artists come in and they solve technical problems where they are that artists can't solve, but if they aren't solved, then the artists can't do their job. So that's what a technical artist does. It's, uh, you know, as it implies, it's a very technical field. 
And finally is the effect designer position. So uh, effect designers, basically what they do is they create the special effects for the game. So this would be things like explosions or transformation things that like, you know, when Sora goes into different drive forms, there's like different explosions and lightning bolts that come out and special effects and um, anytime Sora casts magic, there's all these different particle effects that come out of it and uh, any summons that you see. Um, a really great example is uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, when Sora summons uh, Ariel. Uh, Ariel has this massive whirlpool of water that appears around them and that is something that the effect designer was in charge of is making that massive water whirlpool and anytime Ariel bounces from uh, pond to pond you know during her attack all those little water splashes that was the job of the effect designer Uh, actually I just thought of the perfect example in Kingdom Hearts that (laughs) relates to the uh, technical artist uh rapunzel's hair that was that was a technical artist that or i I would assume probably a team of technical artists worked on rapunzel's hair that was probably really complicated now the real thing that i really want to discuss now that we have that stuff out of the way is is this even surprising and is this necessarily you know confirmation is this hashtag kingdom hearts 4 confirmed churro no i mean no but is it even surprising if it is? No. Yeah. Because any any major any company will always hire for specific roles for any games they're working on. So it Exactly. It could, you know, these positions, you know, sometimes they're out there for months. You know, cuz And you, you know, know what, Churro? I I just want to let you let let the people in on something. These were out there for months, and I've actually been looking at them for months. Yeah. See what I mean? The only people who only look at them are those who need fulfill these needs as positions. Yeah. You know? So like it's so. And actually, but- I, I I will just mention real quickly. So just because uh, I, I listed these doesn't mean that's all that, that was out there. Actually, there was another uh, position out there that I didn't mention in the tweet. There was actually a two D concept artist that was. Uh, basically being uh you know there was a there was a a concept art position that was out there uh back in i want to say august and it was for the same project so this project whatever it is has been in production for a while and i think the fact that a concept artist was in this position also goes on to show that this probably isn't for remind it's probably for a future project because well, the uh, Lord's concept... always working on the next pro- on the next game when the exactly. previous game is exactly. almost done. Yeah. So and and that's yeah, just like you said, like once once the prior game is done, that's when the production for the next game starts, and that's how it's been all the way back in Kingdom Hearts One. Like we remember back on uh back in uh the Kingdom Hearts Final Mix Ultimania, he's he he based or Kingdom Kingdom Hearts Two Ultimania, he straight up said. In the interview, like, when was Kingdom Hearts 2 production started? Right when Kingdom Hearts Final Mix wrapped up. Like, (laughs) that's when it starts. So, yeah, this isn't surprising. And, yeah, basically, I I usually don't talk about this stuff. And I usually try not to make this into news. And that's why this is in the discussion segment and not in the news segment. Because, in my opinion, this isn't news. We already know they're working on new stuff but yeah i did want to at least highlight it just in case anybody was wondering what this is all about and yeah so is kingdom hearts 4 in production yes obviously it's in production Uh, and if it's not in like full production it's already being designed and maybe he's working on maybe currently the production that they're working on is the middle game like they could be working on any number of things but i think it's important to know that yeah they're working on stuff yeah, they're hiring for stuff. They do it all the time. It's really nothing that special. But just in case if anybody was wondering what the Kingdom Hearts team is up to, that's what they're up to. They're producing the next Kingdom Hearts game. And it's going to be an HD project. Isn't that great? I'm happy. But not surprised. So, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the discussion. So, anyway, in the way of questions, we got a question coming from Martin Crosby. And Martin asks, so... In the spirit of Halloween, 
What is your favorite thing about the Nightmare Before Christmas worlds? And which game had the best one? It's got to be the costumes. Oh, yeah. The costumes are so good. And it's. I really love the Donald one. That's my favorite. Not only that, it also, you know, it pretty much takes that whole, you know, explanation of the world border, the world mm-hmm. order into perspective. You know, it's like you got to find, you know, Sora can't just be himself, you know, in every single world he visits. So, you yep. know, why not change it up a bit? So to me, I like the way. It it presents itself story wise, you know, plot wise. Yep. You know, and, and not just design either, because those designs designs are really detailed. You know, it's you know it's something Sora would definitely wear if he was part of that world. So, kind of, kind of, I yep. kind of like it how they went that way. Yeah, I would say yeah. For me personally, I would agree. Costumes are huge. I mean, obviously, just the area. You know, being in the original Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, that's always nice. And uh, I just really like, for me personally, I love the original Kingdom Hearts 1 version of uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas world. I like the adventure that's there. And I like, this might be kind of a controversial opinion, but I actually like the final Oogie Boogie uh, thing where he like, merges with his castle and there's all these like dark orbs on it it's kind of an interesting encounter and i know a lot of people don't like the platforming in kingdom hearts one but uh, for me personally i just like how how different it is and and it was uh, such a huge area too you know yeah it's so big you know and especially when you defeat him and it becomes this one giant empty space you know you gotta jump all the way down and then there's enemies that spawn afterwards that's just such a huge area for such a you know PlayStation Two game. Yeah, that's that's yeah, really interesting. And just as an honorable mention, talking about what I like about the Kingdom Hearts Two or Kingdom Hearts Two version of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, obviously, you know, going to Christmas Town is really amazing, and being able to go there is really nice. Uh, you know, and especially in the final mix version of it where Sora, Donald and Goofy get their Christmas outfits and you get the Christmas music and yeah, all of that's really great. My only slight thing that I don't like about it is I don't like the version of Halloween town that's in nightmare before Christmas in kingdom hearts two. I felt like it's so cut back on, I mean the main town square to me feels a lot more accurate to the movie in kingdom hearts two. So that's nice. But I don't know, just for me in general, it just felt like a lot more cut back on, which, you know, to be fair, it is. But I don't know. I just like the Kingdom Hearts 1 iteration of it a little bit more. Uh, But yeah, it's still overall a great world in Kingdom Hearts 2, so I'm not complaining too much. But uh, And I'll actually, I do want to give another honorable mention to the other game that has Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, uh, Chain of Memories. The story in Chain of Memories uh, in Nightmare Before Christmas is actually really interesting. And, you know, it's all about talking about memories. And there's this really crazy plot point where Oogie Boogie drinks this potion that gives him back his true memories. And he basically goes psychotic from having all his memories unlocked. And it's kind of a crazy thing to experience. And yeah, just honorable mention to that one. The If you ever want to revisit that, highly recommended. You could also revisit it through our YouTube channel, kingdom uh, youtube.com slash khunion. We have a really great video that uh, uh, covers that in the deep dive stream. I perform uh, all the characters. It's really awful, but please watch. And, uh, yeah, so that, uh, I think that covers that one. Uh, next one, ki- kind of related to the whole, uh, Halloween thing a little bit. Uh, this one comes from Kane, Kane Pasha, and they ask, uh, so what KH cosplay do you recommend for beginners? And what cosplay is the hardest to pull off? And, uh, yeah, sure. What do you think about that? I would say for beginners, um, Anyone from Organization 13, because all you need is just buy the coat and then wear some black pants and black shoes and then just put the wig on. You're set. But um, but the, the neat thing about uh, Kingdom Hearts nowadays versus back then was that 
there was no representation in costumes. Like you can, if you're, if you're someone who's not, you know, into cosplay, who doesn't know how to sew and all that, I I know you can learn it, but if your time is short on that stuff, you know, Party City has, you know, and Spirit Halloween, they all have Kingdom Hearts costumes you can buy. Yeah, they don't look the best, but hey, you know, not everyone's a cosplay. Yes, not everyone's a cosplay genius. You know, that's the type of thing that I try to tell people that, you know, not everyone relies on buying cosplay online or get it commissioned, you know, pay. Yeah, you, you pay a lot more money, but you get your money's worth. But if you're just someone who wants a quick costume, you know, that's what that's what they're for. Yeah, that's what they're for. You know, I've I've seen people have sent me photos of, you know, them wearing the Party City costumes or the Spirit Halloween ones. You know, they don't look that bad, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're the best solution for those who just want to get a quick costume. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. It's like, if anything, like Kingdom Hearts cosplay over the years, it's just become so much more accessible. Like the, the barrier to entry is a lot more accessible. I would say on the, uh, the opposite end of that spectrum, I also feel like the, um, like the ceiling, like the quality level that is possible with cosplay these days has also gotten a lot higher as well. So, you know, in the future, if you ever like really get into cosplay, there's a lot of places, a lot of avenues that you can go down to like really elevate what kind of cosplay quality you can have. Uh, one of the biggest things that has been a big benefit has been uh, 3d printing, especially when it comes to keyblades. You know, if you want a keyblade replica, that's like, model accurate you can literally have a 3d print that's to scale for you of any keyblade you want pretty much you know you can hire somebody to 3d print it and paint it for you and you know shoes as well i see a lot of people that make kingdom hearts shoes and like yeah in terms of cosplay that's great uh going on to the next question what cosplay is the hardest to pull off um i would say you know other than maybe phantom donald because he literally has no stomach Probably some kind of a heartless cosplay. I'm assuming that would probably not necessarily that it's uh difficult to make the costume or any more difficult to make those costumes is just more difficult to to pull it off well. I mean, I've like, I mean, it, it just takes time and dedication. I've seen people yeah. I've I've seen people pull really good heartless cosplays and verse cosplays and and uh, nobody cosplays it just really depends on your skill level at doing things you know i've asked really good cosplayers who pull off costumes i thought then weren't really pop like for example um toy story sora you know i've you know, one of my friends um catch she does but uh, she did she made a toy story sora like immediately after his costume was revealed after the uh, trailer and it took her a good, like, over six months to do it, you know. And it's, you know, like you said, it just really depends on your skill level at, at building and sewing yeah. and all that. But, you and know, also, it can like, look your creativity. Because, yeah. like, especially for some of the more, like, conceptual characters, uh, you know, if you're creative enough, you can pull off something that feels right for the character. Like, I would say, yeah, one of the, some of the more typical Diff, quote unquote difficult characters to do would be like Donald and Goofy but I've seen some some people do some really interesting takes on what Donald and Goofy can be especially on the Japanese side of things there's a lot of really great Japanese cosplayers that do like interesting cute cosplays of Sora, Donald and Goofy and you know take it in a direction you may not expect you know yeah. being maybe a more human <laughs> form and that that tends to be, be pulled off a bit easier than like actually trying to make the duck, you know, so to and, speak. And there, there are people who do make the duck and they pull that off really well because yeah. they, they spend the time to actually look at it, research how, you know, it's not just like, you know, you just look at a picture and you build based off what you see. You have to look at physics. You have to look at how, you know, things yeah. work when you move, when you talk, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of planning to go with when it comes to cosplays because, you know, like, because, one of the hardest things about cosplay is just when you, you know, these, you know, Japanese artists or any type of, you know, artists who make these type of characters, you know, they put the smallest details, sometimes even too much yeah. detail into how it goes, especially with Sora with all, you know, his belts and zippers, you know, 
So, yeah. like, you know, it, it's just... I'd say Sora is actually one of the ones, like, if, if you want to make it from scratch, Sora is definitely one of the harder ones. I would say specifically probably Kingdom Hearts 2 Sora. His costume is really detailed. It's like so many belts and zippers. I know it's a, it's a Nomura thing, but, yeah, he's got a lot of belts and zippers. That's really and, hard. And, and there are cosplayers who, you know, use stuff to make it look puffed out, you know, like it, like how it is, you know. So, you know, it's... It, it could be It could be a lot of different answers to those questions because it just really depends on your skill level. I've seen, like I said, I've seen somebody pull like Kingdom Hearts Sephiroth. Like, you know, like it took them it took almost a year to do it, but they pulled it off to make it exactly like how he looked, you know, it just it, 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 it's just like I said, technically it could be any character. It's just but it depends on you as the creator. You know, it's like it's like pretty much it's like drawing, you know, you can make a really detailed artwork or you can make a simple artwork, you know, like a outline artwork. Yep. Depends on your skill level. Yeah, it depends on your skill level, how much time you're willing to put, put into it and what this all means to you at the end of the day. Uh, this next question comes from Gary Snail and they ask, if Kingdom Hearts 3 ended up being the final Kingdom Hearts game, do you think the ending would have been different? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> like there, clear. there wouldn't be no, you know, way the they he would allow a Kingdom Hearts game to go open ended like that. Yeah, with no, with no resolution, no, no nothing. You know, it would you would just be there scratching your head, like, okay, why would you have this in the first place? Yeah, you know? like if I anything, Mike, if yeah. anything, because you know, Kingdom Hearts two had ending had that perfect ending. You know, everybody's yeah, you know, happy they're back home. But then it's like, oh, that bombshell, oh, the game's got to continue yeah. on, story's got to go on. Message in a bottle, basically. Pretty much. But, that was uh, yeah. Game Hearts 2. Yeah, I think, I think if anything, Nomura wouldn't have to, wouldn't use the whole abuse the power of waking storyline. Yeah, and exactly. And he, he would have had totally something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think if... If I had to do it with with lim- with minimal editing, how would I change the ending to make it not, or to make it be more finalized? Uh, it would be uh, Sora doesn't disappear, and then when he grabs Kyrie's hand, he turns and then kisses her, and that's the end. That's literally all that would have to change about that ending for it to be a finalized final ending. You know that that's the one thing, but clearly Nomura didn't go that route and decided to go the crazy route and basically remove Stora from the picture. And that is like the biggest, firmest, uh, you know, statement in the opposite direction saying, this is not the end. Just like you said, Juro, this is not the end. There's no way it would have ended this way if it's the end. And, you know, clearly they're hiring for the next game. So it's whatever moving on. Uh, so yeah, the uh, last question comes from Mister Red One Hundred Eight. Realistically speaking, how long do we have to wait until Kingdom Hearts Four? Um, uh, it's not going to be like five years, like uh, from Kingdom Hearts, you know, three's announcements to its finish. So mm-hmm. you know, they already have. I mean, th- the nice thing about this is a couple things. One, Square Enix isn't relying on their own, you know, engine anymore. Yep. So that 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 takes up a lot of development time, you know, away. That's, that's a big big important thing. And then also, uh whatever this next game would be, it wouldn't be the first game on that engine. You know, nope. they already went through that the heartache of uh, of going through that, you know, already. And, um you know, cuz basically, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 was their first time using Unreal, so they learned a yeah. lot. And then when you look at um trailers for Final Fantasy 7 remake, you know that's all on a Unreal Engine, the same yeah. engine for Kingdom Hearts Three. You can see that they've the not just you know Nomura and his team have learned yeah. huge amounts like, of you know knowledge much about like it. Like most, I mean, so far, other than Luminous Studio, which we don't know what game they're currently working on, but you know, assuming they're still working on Luminous Engine, other than them, there's really not too many studios at Square that aren't using Unreal. So. You know, on a almost on a studio wide basis, at least for Nomura's projects, all his big projects are Unreal. So, like, he's got it real streamlined within like his his groups or his teams that he's working with. So, 
It makes like, me wonder if anything, it's going to be easier to make it now. It makes me wonder if if if, if all the other directors of the other uh, divisions will consider using yeah. Unreal and dropping Luminous. I would say the the big one to watch out for is going to be Naoki Yoshida on his big uh, console game that he's working on right now. Which, by the way, if you guys are really interested about hiring, uh, he's hiring a ton of people right now for that next-gen project. Uh, obviously, it's Final Fantasy 15, uh, 16, but <laughs> whatever he's working on, I think it'll be really interesting to see what he uses because, I mean, he's possibly making the next numbered Final Fantasy. If the next numbered Final Fantasy goes for Unreal Engine 4, like I think that's kind of like the nail in the coffin. I mean, if you don't already consider Final Fantasy 7 Remake using Unreal Engine 4, if that's not already a nail in the coffin, if Naoki Yoshida also uses Unreal, I think that's pretty much the end of Square making their own engines. Yeah, I mean, because, so. I mean, they obviously had to learn from their mistakes, you know, with Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 14, yep. 1.0. You know, they really, and then, you know, with Luminous taking so 15. long with, with 15, you know, then Amara used it for that one trailer, and then he went yep. over to Unreal. It's like, you know, one of, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things that Square Enix sometimes, you know, I really don't like about Square Enix is that sometimes they don't learn from their mistakes, because, you know, they made a huge mistake with the White Engine, then they almost did it with yep. Luminous, and so yep. Amara was like, you know what, this is not going He's anywhere. He's done with it. He's done. Exactly. I'm over it, you know, so it's like... Because at, at the end of the day, it's like their job is to make games, not make engines. Yeah, like the that's that's what R and D is for. Got, they've exactly it's gotten way too complicated these days to make a proper three D engine. That I mean, not just making the engine has gotten complicated, but also making games. Just making the game alone, even if you already have the engine, making the game is already so complicated and takes so much time. It's like if you use an engine that already exists, like you skip that, that headache of that massive project of making an engine. And then on top of that, the massive project of making the game, like if you have to choose which thing you're going to prioritize, you should prioritize working on the game itself. Cause that's what you're going to make the money off of. You're not making money off the engine. You're making money off of the game. So, I mean, the only real benefit these days is that, yeah, if you don't use unreal, then yeah, you keep all the profits, theoretically speaking, but you know, in terms it, of but, but production, in the end, it's just such a worse production. It, you know, it affects it, every part of your production, and you can lose more money too. I mean, look how much money they lost with thirteen and and um, fourteen. You know, one point They not not only just lost money, but they lost a lot of respect from their fans and you know people who wanted to buy their games. You know, because they they wanted to increase their profits by making their own engine, and it's like. You know, sometimes, you know, taking that long road yourself isn't really worth it, you know, and I'm, you know, Nomura's, I'm I'm pretty sure Nomura was tired of seeing, having these long development times for these games to come out, you know, that's why he decided to switch to this, to Unreal, you know, and in the end, it worked out for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say so too. Now, I will say, I kind of do think that it might take up to six years but only like specifically for kingdom hearts 4 and the only reason i say that is because nomura did say that there would be at least one middle game so i'm just feeling that maybe because they're also going to do that middle game that kingdom hearts 4 specifically might be a little bit longer maybe up to six years but six years after kingdom hearts 3 so that could be like 2025 that's a scary date to think about that's that's my guess, and that's that's kind of a con- conservative estimate. Like I I think that might be you know it could be earlier, like you said, Churro. I think for the next game that will come out in the Kingdom Hearts series, that's like that quote unquote middle game. I don't think that's going to be twenty. Also, you have to, you have to think, remember you have to remember Nomura's able to take on multiple projects at once. Remember he was working on Recoded, Birth by Sleep, and Days at the same time. So, you know, Nomura could be easily be working on the ne- the middle Kingdom Hearts game, 3.5 or whatever it's going to be now, and then he could be working on Cage 4. It's behind, behind, behind those scenes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you I would just say never know if I had him. to give it, like, a range, I would say earliest would be probably 2023. I would say uh, for, for Kingdom Hearts 4. Earliest 2023, 
I would say more realistic, maybe 2025. So 2023, 2025, that's my guess. And I would say the very earliest for the middle game would be 2022. That's my guess. I would say at least 2021 for the middle game and then probably 2020. Like you said, 2023, low end. 2024, higher end. Because, you know, it also depends on how many games, how many uh, games are going to be for 7 Remake. Yeah, that's that's a big question. Um thankfully like it um you know the the Kingdom Hearts team isn't working on 7 remake. Uh, Namora is, but you know yeah, it, it's I mean, I mean it's he, a big he, question. He was, he was working on it when he was still working on when Kingdom Hearts 3 was a priority, he was still working on yeah. 7 remake. Yeah, the whole time. So, it's going to be interesting to see and but yeah, like like we said, like it could it could be a lot quicker, and I mean, clearly they're already hiring for the uh, whatever the next game in the series is. My guess is it's probably for the middle game currently, mostly, but um, you know, we'll, time will tell. But um, you know, they were already starting that this year, so you know, that's that's only good news in my opinion. So we'll have to see where it goes from here. Obviously. Uh, one of the nice things about Kingdom Hearts Remind is that we'll get a better idea of what the future roadmap is going to be. So we'll we'll know better either late this year or early next year what the future of the series is going to be. It's really nice place to be, Churro. Like I remember, man, back in the day, like especially between like right after Kingdom Hearts Two came out, like we just had no idea when Kingdom Hearts Three would come out for the longest time. Like, and, Kingdom and, Hearts and, came out two thousand six, and, and nobody knew it was Kingdom Hearts Three. Was, no, nobody knew Kingdom Hearts Three was going to come out in twenty nineteen. No, like if you told us back in two thousand five, two thousand six, all right, and Kingdom Hearts Three is going to come out in twenty nineteen. Like I think people would give up on the series straight up. No, a lot of people would give up. A lot of people would give up on Square Enix. People would give up on Nomura, you know. But you know, it it's weird because it's like you know, Nomura is all about you know expanding Kingdom Hearts, you know, because it's a series. It's like a it's like a saga, so you have to build up everything. So it's like Nomura's gonna have to. That's the reason why he's making the middle games to kind of like, you know, open up what Kingdom Hearts Four is gonna be. So yeah, that pretty much covers our uh, our question segment. And moving on into the music for this episode. Our music is a remix of Kyrie's theme. So Kyrie, uh, this Kyrie's theme is done by a remixer called Lost Sun. You can find them on SoundCloud, so definitely give them a check out. And our next Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 12th of November, as always, if you guys like our podcast please subscribe to final fantasy and kingdom hearts union on the itunes store just search for kingdom hearts and we're number one and of course you can catch every episode at kingdomheartsunion.com spotify or kingdom hearts union's twitter which is at cage union and remember you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion and if you have any questions send them to khuquestions at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our youtube youtube.com slash khunionvids all right, Churro, it is goodbye time. Oh, that was a pretty long episode. Yeah, uh, we we somehow spun it out. You you wouldn't expect it with the, the news drought, but thankfully uh, we had a lot to talk about, which is always great. So, uh, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next one. Hopefully we'll get actually news this time. Yeah, hopefully. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com. Production. We clean me all the time. We played together on that island. His voice always used to be there. And now it's gone. I can't think of his face or his name. I feel off, I feel off, I feel off, I feel off. Don't remember my name?